good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash iHeart. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Before we get into it, be advised that this series contains bad language and references to violence. It doesn't exist anymore, but right on the bank of the Savannah, on the border between South Carolina and Georgia, there was once a famous town. The place is a golf course nowadays, but back in the 1870s, Hamburg was a center of black political power. The mayor and sheriff were black. Most of the city officials were black. Black state politicians lived in Hamburg, in a land where many white citizens still mourned the abolition of slavery just 10 short years earlier. Hamburg was a safe haven for African-Americans trying to move up in the world. But on January 8th, 1876, all of that changed. There was talk the white people would come through and say something's about to happen in Hamburg. So African-Americans kind of knew that something was going to happen. They just didn't know what. That's Wayne O'Brien. He's a historian who lives five miles away from the site of old Hamburg. Wayne spent a lot of his life studying the town and the people who lived there. He told me about the Hamburg Massacre. That July day when a white mob, hundreds strong, arrived in the town. According to a paper from the time, they were armed with shotguns, revolvers, hoes, axes, and pitchforks. Oh, and they brought a cannon. An actual cannon. The mob's mission is to disarm Hamburg's garrison of black militiamen one of whom is Wayne's ancestor. My great-great-grandfather's brother, whose name was Needham O'Brien, he was actually going around the town at the time telling everybody to stay indoors and saying that if you're not going to give up your weapons, y'all need to, you know, batten everything down and just stay inside, you know, and hopefully this thing will blow over. It wouldn't be so easy. The mob surrounds the black militiamen, besieging them in a brick warehouse that serves as the town's armory. As night falls, the mob begins to rain down musket and cannon fire on the armory. At least one militiaman is killed. 
The town sheriff is hunted down. According to some accounts, they cut his tongue from his head. The residents of Hamburg can do nothing but hide and pray. The mob finally disperses late at night on July 8th, by that time over a thousand people strong. Before they go home, the mob ransacks black homes and shops and executes five black townsmen. They discussed the horror and the terror that would be in African-American people's eyes and hearts when they woke up the next morning and saw seven stiff bodies on the ground. Terror is exactly the point. The Hamburg massacre took place in an election year, and some white South Carolinians had reached a crossroads. They knew that South Carolina was about 60% black. Before the Civil War, which had ended 11 years before, the black majority had had no input on elections. But now that African-American men could legally vote, the electoral landscape had changed. Some white Southerners were waking up to the fact that multiracial democracy was a losing proposition for them, they decided to do something about it. Hamburg was the obvious place for them to strike first. The massacre was just the start. After they left Hamburg, the same group started marching on to different towns and, you know, doing the same thing. They starting to just murder African Americans. The rest of the year was dedicated to terrorizing African Americans to keep them away from the vote. The plan was put into place that every white man has a duty to control at least two black votes. You can do it by threat. You can do it by, you know, violence. You can do it if you had to kill them. But you had to make sure that at least two African Americans did not vote. The plan worked. Many African Americans were prevented from voting. Those that did vote did so under the threat of violence. And the next year, when Northern forces left the South at the end of Reconstruction, white Southerners had a free hand to take back power. Black lawmakers were forced out of office and, practically, if not legally, they lost the right to vote altogether. Wayne has a record of one of his ancestors on the South Carolina voter rolls in 1876, the year of the Hamburg Massacre. After that, there's no record of anyone in his family voting for another 92 years. Multiracial democracy died in America. It wouldn't return until the 1960s, when African Americans were, at long last, granted full suffrage. But the story doesn't end there. On the 6th of January, 2021, the spirit of the Hamburg Massacre came to Washington, D.C. White mob violence was once again deployed as a tool to subvert democracy. At the Capitol riot, the violence happened after the election, not before, as it had at Hamburg. But the intent was the same, to influence an election by force. As Wayne O'Brien watched the siege unfold on TV, he felt a sense of weary familiarity. If people knew history, they would recognize it immediately. These things are all, you know, tied together. It's just like one long story. And if you know all the points, then you can see how the story goes. Detectives have worked in the past, and every so often you see old tactics being dusted off and maybe rebranded, but they're the same thing. 
What if Wayne's right? What if the story is repeating? Is white mob violence returning as a political tool, the final recourse for people who feel their power slipping away? From the teams at Cool Zone Media, iHeartRadio, and Novel, this is The Assault on America. Episode 1, The Digital Fever Swamp. The road to the Capitol riot on January 6th, 2021, starts with a lie. You've probably heard people talk about the big lie. It's a term that dates back to before the Second World War. You'll see a lot of quotes about the big lie attributed to Joseph Goebbels or Adolf Hitler, but neither man was the kind to admit their own falsehoods. The best definition of how big lie tactics work really comes from a profile the OSS, precursor to the CIA, wrote about Hitler. Quote, His primary rules were, never allow the public to cool off, never admit a fault or wrong, never concede that there may be some good in your enemy, never leave room for alternatives, never accept blame, concentrate on one enemy at a time and blame him for everything that goes wrong. People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. And if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. The most recent and most dangerous big lie to hit U.S. politics is the falsehood that the 2020 U.S. presidential election was fraudulent. It says that once you discount the dumped ballots, the Venezuelan voting machines, the dead voters, the voting dogs, the biased election officials, and all the other totally plausible reasons, then Joe Biden didn't win the U.S. election at all. Rather, he lost by millions of votes. According to the big lie, Donald Trump took the White House in November 2020, and it wasn't even close. On January 6, 2021, the whole world saw where that lie took us. What we have yet to see is how much further it can still take us. Was the siege at the Capitol the last convulsion of a dying Trump presidency? Or was it the start of a new civil war? I'm Robert Evans, an investigative journalist at Bellingcat, and in this series, I'll be investigating the why, the how, and the who behind the first mass breach of the U.S. Capitol since the British stormed Washington in 1814. I'm going to dig into the events of January 6th in forensic detail. I'll identify key players who spread disinformation and help to create a riot. I'll speak to those who know them best and the experts trying to figure out how we got here. With their help, I'll trace the stories of instigators, militia leaders, and far-right influencers whose poison has seeped into every corner of America and, honestly, might be the thing that tears us all apart. It's a fraud, and it's a shame. I'm 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 talking about some massive straight lines up in the vote tallies after they've supposedly stopped counting. We'll shut down this country if we have to. If if Mike Pence does the right thing, we win the election. I've I've been plotting. I've been planning. I've been scheming. Today! Today is the day 
American patrons start taking down names and kicking ass. should come naturally and with the new natural hybrid mattress it can a collaboration between award-winning mattress brand lisa and home design favorite west elm the natural hybrid is the culmination of these two companies shared values premium materials meticulous craftsmanship and sustainable practices made with natural latex responsibly sourced natural wool and environmentally safe foams the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary indulges your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. To understand how the Capitol riot was conceived and planned, we have to get into some pretty murky online spaces. This is kind of my home turf. Unfortunately for me, I spend quite a lot of my time lurking on what you might call controversial internet message boards, places like 8chan, and encrypted social media apps like Telegram. These online communities are filled with trolls pretending to be neo-Nazis, neo-Nazis pretending to be patriots, militiamen LARPing as real soldiers, and actual soldiers spewing far-right hate. I think of these places as a kind of digital fever swamp. My job is to document what happens when this swamp leaks into the real world. Usually I'm monitoring small, dangerous groups, the type of people who celebrate racist mass shootings like the Christchurch massacre. They spin these atrocities into propaganda, creating false narratives that serve their cause. With the big lie, Donald Trump applied this tactic to an entire nation. He pulled off the biggest gaslight in modern U.S. history. 
In terms of online poison seeping into everyday life, this was the BP oil spill of disinformation. Here's how it started. Following the results of the November elections, the conversation really shifted from people talking about the possibility of election fraud to really believing that election fraud happened. Shira Frankel is a tech reporter for the New York Times. Like me, she spends an unhealthy amount of time online, monitoring far-right groups. She witnessed in real time how a single lie, born online, jumped like a plague-bearing flea into people's minds. It really started in the day after the elections, and it started as a Facebook group. On November 4th, 2020, the day after the presidential election, Shira noticed a new group on Facebook. Welcome, it read, to Stop the Steal. You're hearing the audio from a grainy video that was posted on the original Stop the Steal group. The footage shows a crowd of Trump supporters gathered outside a voting facility in Detroit, trying to stop officials from counting the remaining votes, the majority of which were postal votes favoring Biden. The pixelated, shaky footage quickly went viral. As it spread across Facebook, more and more people found the new group. This Facebook group grew faster than any other group I've ever seen on Facebook, and I monitor these things quite closely. And I'm recalling Facebook up that day and saying, do you see the numbers in this group? Every time I check, there are thousands of new members. And one of their engineers who I was speaking to said, the numbers are crazy. We haven't seen this before. By the morning of Thursday, November 5th, less than 22 hours after it was created, the group numbered more than 320,000 users. By this point, the Detroit video wasn't the only thing on there. They were sharing videos and photographs that they claimed showed people illegally voting. Now, a lot of those photos were manipulated. Those videos were, some of them not even from this election cycle. One of the really popular ones, you know, they showed dump trucks of ballots sort of dumping up or shredders going through and shredding ballots. I'm watching all of these ballots being shredded now. Un- Unbelievable. Now, those videos are real. They come from previous elections where after the vote is counted and tallied, election officials will shred documents. And that's just something that happens. So when you're done going through envelopes, you will dump the empty envelopes. Or sometimes you're dumping blank envelopes to make sure they don't get used for fraudulent purposes. So it's about taking things from the internet and just pulling them out of context and making them frightening enough so people believe that this is actually showing you voter fraud. The crazy thing is, it works. If people think their candidate is being cheated out of an election, they'll do something about it. Who wouldn't? In November and December, there were Stop the Steal rallies almost every weekend across America. Many of those attending echoed the same points they saw online. If there's one vote that is fraudulent, that's enough for me. This isn't a research project. I'm not looking for statistically significant stuff. At what point did Facebook, you know, put the kibosh on all this? Facebook shut down the original Stop the Steal group fairly quickly for violating its rules. And they were posting a ton of misinformation and fake videos. And there was, you know, all sorts of vitriol in there. The problem 
which we often find to be the problem with Facebook, is that they shut down one group, but they let dozens or even hundreds of other groups remain. When Facebook execs pulled the plug on the original Stop the Steal Facebook group, the damage was already done. There were dozens of other similar groups sharing the same videos, spreading the same rumors, promoting the same conspiracy theories. Fraudulent. The poison was spreading at an unstoppable rate, and soon it spilled over from Facebook to the other platforms. It was this kind of piecemeal approach, which gave them time to move to Telegram and to Gab and to, and to all these other social media sites. They said, well, if we get shut down here, give us your email address and we'll put you on our listserv and we'll make sure that you stay in touch with us and we can keep feeding you this misinformation. And when Facebook acts in that way, when they act in a piecemeal way or in a, in a very slow kind of way, it gives the bad actors time to organize and rally and find a way around them. In short, the horse had bolted. But Shira didn't let the story escape her so easily. As the Trump supporters dispersed to right-leaning social media apps like Parler and Gab, where users can spread disinformation unchallenged, Shira went with them. I joined hundreds of different groups across different social media channels that were dedicated to supporting him. How did you kind of see the narratives and the conversations in these online spaces shift in the weeks leading up to the Capitol attack? After there were a series of legal complaints against the elections that seemed to fail one after another and these sort of ongoing promises by President Trump and people in his team that they would find people who had voted illegally and they would find that the vote had actually been fraudulent, people really amped up and believed that. This, this, they're sending millions of ballots all over the country. There's fraud. They found him in creeks. They found some with the name Trump just the other day in a waste paper basket. And so the closer we got to January, the more the more angry, really, the conversation was. The more people who seemed to believe that the election had been stolen from them and that these moments in time that they thought were going to reveal the truth, these lawsuits that they thought were going to succeed or these election results that were going to be overturned, every time that didn't happen, they were more and more angry at the results of the November elections. In the immediate lead-up to the 6th, did you see conversations about what kind of equipment they planned to bring? As we got closer to January 6th, we started to see real-time planning of how people wanted to get to Washington and where they were going to be staying. And part of that conversation involved weapons as well. People discussed, are you going to put a gun in the trunk of your car? Are you going to come armed? What kind of bullets are you going to bring with you? There was discussions of the legality of transporting weapons across state lines. And then there seemed to be very real planning happening around bringing weapons to Washington. What started as a single Facebook group on November 4th had morphed into a national movement. People who were once ordinary Facebook users are now on obscure far-right apps, discussing the kind of ammunition that might be best suited to helping them storm the nation's capital. What was frightening is that you had members of the Republican Party, you had voting officials coming out time and again and saying, we've found no claims of voter fraud. You know, we've looked at the lawsuits, we've given people a chance to count and recount. And it's not here. You should trust that your vote matters. You should trust that our voting systems are secure. The most powerful condemnation of the Trump campaign's fraud claims happened in Georgia on December 1st, 2020. An election official named Gabriel Sterling lost his cool during a press statement. It's all gone too 
bar. All of it. It has to stop. Shortly before his speech, an election official working under Sterling received a death threat, accompanied by the image of a noose. Death threats. Physical threats. Intimidation. It's too much. It's not right. The way Sterling saw it, Trump's claims about the election were putting officials in danger. And to what end? Everyone knew the claims were bullshit. These unsubstantiated claims or these claims that were just, they were false, right? Like when people investigated them, they found that these were not real claims. People still wanted to believe that. And that's, that's frightening, I think. The public well of information was being poisoned, and people were knowingly drinking from it. The sickness that followed was inevitable. I was sitting at home in my office, and I had a couple of screens open on my laptop. And then I had a second screen that was set up. One was on a YouTube channel. Another was TweetDeck. On January 6th, Shira was monitoring her screens tracking the movements of the extremely online crowd that gathered in D.C. Good morning, America! The day started with a series of speeches at the Ellipse. How you guys doing? A park situated a few hundred yards south of the White House. I watched as sort of the rally launched and the speakers went on stage. They can lie, they can cheat, they can steal. My father has started a movement and this movement will never, ever die. I was waiting for the moment where Trump got on stage because I was very curious to hear what he would say, and I knew that would likely play a large role in the response of the crowd. I've been in two elections. I won them both, and the second one, I won much bigger than the first, okay? I remember vividly the moment where he talked about March on the building. I think he, I can't remember the words he used. And after this, we're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down to the Capitol... And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. It sounded like a rallying cry when I heard it. And so at that point, I started looking more and more at some of the chats I was in, and people were giving each other instructions about how to get to the Capitol building. And I think that was the first moment where I realized, oh, this might go off the rails. Like many of us, Shira was glued to her computer as the crowd turned violent. That feeling of this is going sideways intensified as they broke through that first police barricade towards the Capitol building. And you could watch all this in a live stream. One of the things I was doing is I was finding new live streams as they were happening. What's going on, everybody? Hi, guys. Yo, yo. We're on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. We're going in. I remember one point I was watching a guy with a camera. And then I recognized somebody behind him, a right-wing figure with another camera right behind him. And so I went to go find his live stream because I knew they would have different angles on the same scene. And the moment they got up to the building, when it was clear they were actually breaching the building. We were just sort of watching this in real time. And what was amazing was how many people felt emboldened to record this in real time and to air it live. Boots on the ground here. We're moving on to Capitol. We got a storm to blaze. We just got tear gas. I got gas. Fraudulent Fraudulent election. Election. 
This is the key point. The Capitol riot was a frenzy of content creation. Rioters recorded themselves, often maskless, sometimes declaring their own names to the camera, proudly boasting of the crimes they were actively committing. Patriots actually just stormed the Capitol building. And they didn't just record their actions. They also recorded what they were thinking. We the people are pissed off. We're standing up for the truth. Keep fucking around with us. Fuck around and find out. Right after the riot, it was clear what the general mood was. Hey, you got some good content. <laughs> good content. People were hyped. <laughs> they were gloating. There was a lot of boasts of, you know, whose office did you get into? Did you take anything? A lot of people posting selfies to show off where they had been. I think the mood was, was jubilant. I don't think people understood the gravity of what had happened. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's kind of amusing that so many rioters put themselves on a plate for federal prosecutors. We'll meet some of those rioters later in the series. But what's clear from the digital breadcrumbs is that this riot would not have happened without social media. That's where people met and exchanged ideas. That's where plans were hatched and logistics ironed out. Social media bosses will argue that when you connect the entire world, it's possible the odd coup might get planned on your platform. Plotters are gonna plot. But if only, if only armed insurrection was all we had to worry about. The deeper problem, arguably, is that the very notion of reality in America is fractured beyond repair. Broadly speaking, there was this kind of, I cannot believe this happened, you know, in the hours and days after 1-6. 
Charlie Warzel is a technology reporter. He writes a newsletter about the internet called Galaxy Brain. Like me and others who dwell in the swamp for a living, January 6th wasn't the biggest shock for him. Anyone who's even dipped their toes into the extremism research or reporting waters is like, no, this is, this is why people have been so concerned for so long. Like, this seemed inevitable, not some, some wild outcome. I'm curious what you find particularly malign about the way that Facebook groups function, or at least the way they, they impact people. Yeah, so there's this great conference that Facebook through. It was like a summit in Chicago, Illinois in 2017. Mark Zuckerberg kicked it off. Before we get started today, I want to introduce myself. <laughs> this is like one of those things you're not paying attention to unless you're like a tech writer, nerd, or really into it. I'm Mark, and I'm a member of the Zuckerberg family group. <laughs> and it was all about how Facebook was going to sort of shift its focus into communities, right? The idea behind our new mission is to bring the world closer together. He was trying to model Facebook groups and things like that around the way things work in the physical world, which is you don't come in your community and immediately say, all right, I need to find a knitting group, I need to find you know a book club, I need to find this, and just sort of like willy-nilly cast around. The idea is like your ties and networks are the ones that say, hey, I'm part of this book club. You want to join? Something like that. You may think you're just creating a space for new moms or for bird watchers or for locksmiths, but when you give people a way to connect and a sense of support, it can lead to important changes. What it ended up doing was, you know, taking this sort of nuanced cultural societal <laughs> way that humans operate and just like mapping it onto like a recommendation algorithm. And it was just incredibly blunt. And so what Facebook began doing was basically saying like, oh, I, I see you're doing this. Let's give you more of that. Let's push you deeper into that. Because of my own work investigating the far right, I subscribe to hundreds of Telegram channels, Gab accounts, parlor feeds, all that good stuff. But the people on the platforms I study are already far gone. Facebook groups, on the other hand, that's where folks come to get radicalized. When I was hanging out in right-wing Facebook groups, it became increasingly obvious that not only were the groups growing quickly, but that as soon as you join one, you start getting shared others. I get invited to a group where people are joking about Hawaiian shirts. And before I know it, I'm in a new group where people are talking very seriously about shooting federal agents. For real, this stuff is not hard to find. You accept a couple of recommendations, you go where you're pointed by the algorithm, and hey, you're hobnobbing with some of the scariest people in America. And the admins who create these groups know exactly how to speed you along the journey. Facebook released a report after 1-6, and it showed that like all the stop the steal groups were in large part driven by a small core of super inviters that would basically find people via different groups and build audiences based off of these common interests. And so, I mean, I think that the groups has so, so much to do with it because not only are you talking about insular communities on their own that are sort of away from people where, you know, they can kind of become more and more intense, but you're also talking about a network of those groups 
that are just constantly being thrown into your face. And I think that it was really just a way of pushing people further down that radicalization funnel. For their part, Facebook does say that it's been more aggressive than ever at labeling misleading posts, clamping down on conspiracy theories, and amplifying credible information about voting. It's not a new observation that social media funnels our interests towards outrage and extreme opinions. But what I think hasn't been appreciated is just how many people went down this path after the 2020 election. The Stop the Steal campaign fell like a guillotine, severing the connection between millions of Trump supporters and the basic reality of the election result. And social media was the perfect medium for the message. Would it be fair to say that social media rewards and even makes people famous for being better at lying and distributing misinformation? Oh, yeah, completely. You know, these algorithms, they reward high engagement subjects, many of which provoke pretty strong emotions. The strongest emotions tend to be outrage and feeling victimized and, you know, in-group, out-group exclusions. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the architecture of these platforms is geared towards attention first and, like, civic responsibility 135th. And as long as that's the case, the attention's going to win out every single time. There's no way anyone can tell me that Joe Biden won this election. Trump is not trying to overturn the election. He's trying to get the real election results to be heard. The real election. What do you think is the end result? We're in this place now where, at least in the low tens of millions of Americans, believe in what is functionally an alternative reality. You know, not just may have a conspiracy or two, not just like, oh, maybe I'm curious about the JFK assassination or whatever, but believe in like a fully separate reality. Do you think that bubble ever bursts? Or do you think more and more people just become siloed off to what is effectively another world? I don't get the sense that this is a bubble that bursts. Like, I think that this is pretty durable for a lot of people. I'm very worried. Like, I think, candidly, I'm in a period right now where I'm trying to sort of not think about it for just a couple of weeks or months because I just know it's getting worse, but not on a very public level. I think post-Trump, you know, everyone's sort of collectively said, okay, can I take a break? Can I recharge my batteries? And personally, I'm doing that because I think what we're in for is a lot more of the same with a higher intensity. And soon we're not going to have the luxury of not paying attention to it fully. And that's pretty scary. There's a term. I didn't invent it, but it's come to define what I think is the single largest problem we face in our culture right now. That term is weaponized unreality. Here's how it works. You're a person for whom the observable facts of reality are problematic. Maybe you're an oil and gas company. It's the 1970s, and you don't want people to think climate change is a thing. So you start paying PR people and shady media types to help you build an unreality, one where the problems caused by your product don't exist. Most of us are familiar with how big businesses use unreality. The most prominent example is probably the tobacco industry. Weaponized unreality takes that a step further. If you're a demagogue politician who loses an election, 
you might blame the people who won legitimately for orchestrating a vast conspiracy to steal the election. And you might dog whistle towards other conspiracies, ones that suggest your political opponents are satanic pedophiles working to destroy the country. This allows you to save face and keep raking in donations. But if you succeed in convincing millions of people that they're under constant deadly attack by real people who really exist, well, they might try to murder those people. A Reuters and Ipsos poll from March 2021 found that 32% of all Americans think that the 2020 election was stolen from Donald Trump. The simple fact of the matter is that tens of millions of Americans live in realities so different that they cannot continue to coexist. It's fine if your neighbor believes in Bigfoot, but if he believes you're planning to steal the blood of his children for black magic, you probably can't keep living together. As long as social media companies decide that the best way to engage people is to rile them up, push them closer and closer to the edge, there will be bad actors who decide to profit from just shoving those folks right over it. In the next episode of The Assault on America, we meet one of the most nefarious actors in this entire story. He's a shady political operative who made January 6th happen, and most people don't have a clue who he is. It's time to meet the man behind the lie. I've been plotting. I've been planning. I've been scheming. That's coming up in episode two of The Assault on America. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 